as you're turning there, I would just remind you that even if you came to the musical last night, you are welcome, invited, encouraged, and urged to come back again this evening. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing to your heart the second time through as well. We have uh, many myths and legends that have grown up around Christmas, but I'm thankful that the great source of truth about things we can be absolutely certain found right here for us in the Gospel of Luke. Luke went to great lengths, he tells us, in the first chapters of his, or first verses of his Gospel to make sure that all he wrote was accurate. He sought out eyewitnesses and, and benefited from the teaching and the, the, the memories of the apostles as well. And on top of all that, he was moved along by the Holy Spirit as he wrote this vital portion of Scripture. Last week, we saw that his account begins with the angelic prophecy of the birth of John the Baptist to be the forerunner and vanguard for Jesus, the coming Messiah, King, and Savior. This morning, we want to consider the Virgin Mary the vessel through which Jesus, the God-man, made his entrance into this world. And what Luke writes in chapter 1, verses 26 to 56, probably reflects truth that he heard from the very lips of Mary herself, as she remembered back to that occasion when the angel came and made a great announcement to her. And then he went on to record them with, with perfect accuracy directed by the Holy Spirit. There are four facts about Mary, the vessel and virgin, of which we need to take special notice this morning. Follow along as I read, starting in verse 26, Luke chapter 1. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed of a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And we'll stop our reading right there for this morning. But as we look through there, we find that the first thing that stands out here as the choice of the vessel that's going to be used to bring the Lord Jesus into this world. And uh, we find that the, the choice is, is described here as taking place in, in real time and space. I'm so thankful the book is not a once upon a time type of a fairy tale, but rather it, it's a book of his, history and reality. And we find that the, the uh, Gabriel comes to Mary and sent by God uh, to a place called Nazareth, a, a village of Nazareth in the area of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. And this takes place during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So we find that the, we have real time and space going on here. And, and the one that's making this choice, who is it that's going to choose this this vessel, this virgin, who's going to make the choice? Well, it's God who makes the choice. It's God who sends Gabriel. Gabriel's coming to make an announcement, but Gabriel's just a messenger. The message is coming from God himself. Uh, God is determining this. By the way, this isn't something Mary sought or something that Mary hoped for. Uh, certainly every a uh, Jewish woman, for the most part, hoped that she might give birth to the Messiah. But at this point in Mary's life, she's not even married yet. She's probably a young teenager. Uh, she's engaged to, to Joseph and certainly not thinking about having a child at, at that point. And to, to have this, this message brought to her, this is strictly God's doing. This is something that comes from the sovereign God himself, not from Mary not from Gabriel, but it is the, the sovereign working of God that is causing her to be chosen. Why did God choose Mary? Why did he choose Abraham? Uh, why did he choose you if you know Christ as your Savior? God's sovereign. And he saw that Mary was going to fit into his plan, and he chooses her out of all of the young women of, of, of Israel that, that lived at that time, or for that matter, at any time. And he makes the choice known to her through Gabriel, same angel that had come to Zacharias earlier and told him that his wife was going to give birth to a child in her old age. And uh, Gabriel obeys God, uh, obeys immediately, which I suppose we should commend Gabriel. If you recall when, when he came to, uh, to, to Zacharias and told him they were going to have a child in their old age, uh, he, he initially responded with doubt. How's that going to happen? That can't happen. We're too old. But, uh, and then he ends up being struck mute, if you recall, until the day that John the Baptist is, is named. And, uh, but, but, you know, sometimes we think if people aren't going to listen and we share the gospel with them, we get somebody to give us a bad reaction, maybe we shouldn't try it anymore. Well, the fact of the matter was God wants you to do something, you ought to do it. And it's commendable that Gabriel, when she's told to go to Mary, what she do? She goes to Mary and delivers the exact message, which is really a more astounding message than the one that he had delivered to Zacharias. And we find that the person who was the choice 
is described here as being a young lady from, from Nazareth. Uh, she's described as a, a virgin, and it's repeated again there in the end of, of verse 27. Uh, she's a virgin whose name was, was Mary. Uh, one of the things that stands out here is the emphasis upon the virgin birth that we find in this passage of Scripture that we find really in the Word of God. Jesus was born without a human father. There are folks that want to reject that, deny that, not believe that. Uh, there have even been several, well, the Bible doesn't teach that any place. Well, they're not reading the same Bible I am. And I think it's taught very, very clearly here that Mary uh, had not had re sexual relations with any man up until the time that Jesus was born. Uh, she was a virgin, and it, it's stated, and it, it's restated, and it is emphasized through this passage that she was a young girl who had never had physical relations with any man, and uh, her name is Mary. Uh, she's blessed in being chosen for this. That's one of the things that the uh, Gabriel tells her. You know, you, you, you're highly favored. You're blessed among women, and this is a this is a good thing. Uh, there are going to be some difficulties as she uh, carried out this pregnancy. There are going to be some difficulties later on when she watches the Lord Jesus hang on the cross at Calvary. But it was a good thing that she'd been chosen for. A good thing that she'd been chosen to give birth to this, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And her initial reaction is that she is, first of all, afraid of Gabriel as he reflects the, the glory of God, just as Zacharias had been. And she also is puzzled by what was being said. What's this message? What do you mean I'm highly favored? What do you mean I'm blessed among women? What, what, what are you talking about? She, she doesn't quite know exactly what uh, is going on here. And, and to that, we find Gabriel gives her some reassurance in verse 30. He first of all tells her, don't be afraid. And, and he says, you, you found favor with God. When I talk about you being blessed, having favor, being exalted, you got favor with God. God's pleased with you. God's got a good plan for you. God has something good in store for you. And then Gabriel goes on and explains exactly what God had planned for Mary. And you see in verse 31, he says, and, and excuse me, yeah, verse 31, And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And uh, we find that this is the good thing. You're going to have a child. And he's going to be a very, very special child. So that's what is involved in the announcement that, that Gabriel's making uh, to Mary here. Now, before we go on, I, I want to show you something here. This is a great bottle. It, it's, it's got Kroger on, on the front of it. came from Kroger's. Uh, at least someplace along the way it came from Kroger's. That, that's a good thing. My, my son works for Kroger's. And... When people buy Kroger's project, that helps the products. That helps put food on my grandkids' table. So it's got Kroger on it. It, uh, it, it says that it's 16.9 fluid ounces. It's a 16.9 ounce bottle. And in case you don't know what that, the ounce is all about, it, it's 1.05 pints. It, it says in here if you take it to California, you can get five cents if you turn this in. Take it out to California. This bottle has a twist top on it, not just a snap-on top. You know, one of those cheap things. This is a, a genuine plastic twist-on, twist-off top. So you can 
You can reseal it. This is a great bottle. Look at the, look at the lines around there, the decorative lines that it's got. It's got the, these gizmos on the bottom so that it'll stand flat, you know, and it's not going to tip over and fall and things like that. It's a great bottle, isn't it? And you're wondering, how long are you going to go on about that stupid bottle? When you get right down to it, what's important about this bottle? What's in it? The contents. And right here, as we, at this point, in the, as we look at the vessel in this message we're, we're, we're having this morning, the, the real important thing is the contents. You know, a lot of times, uh, a lot of attention is given to Mary. And Mary deserves some attention. She was a righteous, godly young woman. She played an important role in God's program. Uh, that bottle's important. You know, if the bottle wasn't there, there better be a puddle on the communion table here right now. So there's importance to it. But the most important thing about that bottle is the contents in it. And the most important thing about Mary was the contents of her womb when that conception takes place. Give Mary her, her due, but, but let's make sure we put our emphasis on the one that was born from Mary's womb. Let's not put the overemphasis on, on Mary. How foolish it is to put a whole lot of emphasis on a bottle that water's encased in. If you're thirsty, chewing on that bottle's not going to help you on a little bit. If you're thirsty, that twist off top uh, isn't going isn't to satisfy your, your thirst. You don't care what kind of top. You just want to get off so you can get to the water and get a drink. And we need to, to not stop at Mary. We need to make sure we go on to the contents of her womb, the Lord Jesus. Mary's told that that uh, she would conceive a son in her womb and that she would give birth to a son. Sad thing is, not every child that's conceived is born. You know, there, there are, are miscarriages that take place. And, and sadly, in, in our country and other places around the world, there are abortions that take place. Uh, but we find in this situation, Mary's guaranteed. You're going con to conceive a son. You're going to give birth to a son. And when that son is born, you need to name him Jesus. When Joseph was told what the name should be, back in the Gospel of Matthew was explained, call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That name Jesus means the Lord saves, Yahweh saves, Jehovah saves. So that's the significance of the name. In, in verse 32, it goes on and talks some more about the, who, this, who this son's going to be. His son is going to be named Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The highest here is God. He's going to be the son of God. God who's above all and above everyone. And it says that the Lord will, God will give him the throne of his father, David. In this verse, we find that he's going to be the son of God, but also he's called the son of David. Now, David's his father. David's his ancestor. How, how could that be? Well, we, we know that it's because as the Son of God, He's actually God the Son, the eternal God the Son who's always existed. And, and at this point, through this, the, this virgin from, from Israel, He's going to make an entrance into this world, and, and Mary was a descendant of, of David. And so he, he comes into this world, although he's, he's God Himself, He also becomes fully man and becomes the descendant of David, and as a result of, the, 
result of being the descendant of David and the other credentials that he had, Jesus Christ is the one who has the right to sit on the throne of Israel and reign over the house of Jacob and to reign over that, that nation completely. He's going to be the son of the highest. He'll sit on the throne of, of David and reign over that and would reign over the, the house of Jacob forever. And we also are told that his kingdom was going to be a universal kingdom. It says in the end of verse 33, and of his kingdom there will be no end. One of these days, folks, Jesus is going to reign. He's going to rule on the throne over Israel and all the earth, in fact, on, on, over all creation. This one that was, ends up being born in that stable, the one who's conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's who we're talking about here. This is a pretty special person to whom Mary, Mary's going to conceive and to whom Mary is going to give birth. Pretty amazing. And we find that, that she comes up with a, a very understandable question. Now, Zacharias, he questioned Gabriel, but he questioned him in doubt. And Mary's not doubting here. She just has a question. Okay, I'm going to conceive a child. There's one thing, Gabriel, you should know. I've never been with a man. I have not known any man that could be a father to this child. It just can't happen. What am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to go ahead and get married to Joseph right now, or should we have physical relations now? And she's not sure what's going on here. She says, I, I, I slight issue. I'd never been with a man, never known a man. And she gets a, an amazing answer, an angelic answer. As Gabriel speaks to her in verse 35 and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Uh, here's how it's going to happen. It's going to be a miraculous conception. God's going to do something. God's going to do something miraculous. God's going to do something supernatural. That term overshadow is, is kind of an exciting word. It, it's an active word. It's a creative word. It, it's talking about something amazing, and, and it is connected with the holy, powerful presence of God when we see it show up elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, when you read about the transfiguration of Jesus with uh, uh, Moses and Elijah in, in three of the Gospels, you find in each of those there's a cloud of glory that kind of at, overshadows the place there, comes over the, it's the same term. And what you have there is the, the glorious presence of God uh, coming into play there at the transfiguration. We also find it is used back in, in the book of Exodus when it talks about the, the presence of God coming in, in in glorious fashion into the the holy of holies in the tabernacle and warren wearsby makes a great observation here as he he considered this term and he says mary's womb became the holy of holies for the son of god god was in the womb of the virgin mary and how that happened it happened as a result of a miracle the holy spirit somehow Fertilized, caused an egg in, in Mary's womb to be fertilized. She contributed an egg to this. There, there was no human sperm involved, but there's the, there's the egg from Mary. Jesus is going to be fully human. Well, how did that egg get fertilized? 
God did a miracle. And she remained a virgin. No human father in view here. And no human father around at all. It's all about a supernatural working of God. And we find that the results of it are that, first of all, there is a, a holy one that's conceived in her. And, and when Jesus is called the holy one, two important things stand out here. First of all, it's describing him as, as God. Who is the only holy one? Only God is truly holy. Now, he imparts holiness to us, but it's a gift from him. The only one who's, who's holy by nature and holy in his character is God. And that's who Jesus is. That's who God is. And the other thing is, this emphasizes the fact that Jesus was born completely without sin. With no sin nature, no tainting of sin. And that's important to you. And that's important to me. You know why? Because as he's born without sin... He could be a sacrifice that would be acceptable, an unblemished sacrifice that could die on the cross of Calvary for our sin. You see, when you and I are born, we're not born without sin. And when we have children, we have grandchildren, they're not born without sin. They're born with that same sin nature that, that, that Adam had when he fell in the Garden of Eden, and everybody that's born with that has that, has that sin nature. But not Jesus. The angel talks about this holy one who is conceived in you. A great statement here. This holy one who's conceived in you will be born of you, and he'll be called the Son of God. Son of God, talking about sameness here. Emphasizing that Mary was going to carry God in her womb, and she was going to give birth to a helpless infant, who is God. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's hard to even wrap your mind. Just imagine for Mary hearing this, what this must have done for her. And the, the angel kind of reinforces this a little bit, helps Mary along. And he says, and by the way, your relative, your distant cousin, Elizabeth, in her old age, she's conceived a child, and she's six months along. So, you know, sometimes it helps to have a reassuring example. But when I had uh, knee replacement surgery a few years ago, I went around and, and talked to different other people that had had knee replacement surgery. You know, how was it? What was it like? You know, and, and I wanted to find out. It was a, a help to me going in. Thank the Lord nobody told me any terrible horror stories. Or I might have backed out. But uh, so God tells Mary through Gabriel, your relatives conceived a child in her old age. In fact, this may be the reason that Elizabeth and Zacharias conceived a child in their old age. Why, why God didn't do it. Maybe just as encouragement for Mary. You think this young teenage gal might need a little bit of encouragement? God's so good, isn't he? He knows when we need some encouragement. He knows when we need some help. He knows when we need a boost along the way. And he, he gives her this little shot in the arm. Your, your cousin conceived a child in her old age. And then the angel just flat out makes a statement. With God, nothing is impossible. Now, if you ever run into a skeptic that says to you, I don't believe in that virgin birth stuff. I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe that stuff. What's the answer? Here it is. With God, 
What's impossible? Nothing. Nothing is impossible. God can do anything. If God can give you and, and could give Adam life and, and produce him out of the dust of the ground and breathe into him and, and make him a living being, could he produce a child in the womb of the Virgin Mary? Sure he could. A sinless child. And what we have here is someone who has always existed. Jesus has always existed. He doesn't come into being in, in Nazareth or in Bethlehem. He's always existed. And what he does, the whole thing about the virgin birth, is that he takes upon himself a human body, one who has always been fully God, in this process becomes fully man. And do you know why he became fully man? So he could identify with you and me and be a fitting Savior for our sins. That's why he became fully man. That's why the virgin birth is an absolute, it's a fundamental of the faith. There are those that want to reject it. But God's Word declares it very, very clearly and powerfully. And we need to accept it and believe it and, and recognize it. After Mary's told all of this, we find that she's ready. She's ready to cooperate. In fact, I, I love the, the statement that, that she makes here. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Lord, you, you're the master. I, I'm your servant. I'm ready for whatever you want in my life. There may be hard things connected with it. There may be great joys connected with it. But, Lord, I'm the servant. You're the, you're the Lord. You're the master. And I am ready to serve you however you want me to serve you. What a great response, huh? Uh, should, oh, that we should respond the same way to God. Now, I think it would be good for us to, in our prayers, sometimes to just tell God, you're God, I'm not. I recognize that. You're the master. You're my Lord. Here I am, Lord. I just want to be your servant. I, I just want to do what you want me to do. I just want to be what you want me to be. I'm willing to accept heartache if it comes along. I'm willing to accept the, the good things that come along, certainly, Lord, I, I'm your servant. I'm at your service. And that's, just, that's what Mary says here. I'm at your service. I'm ready to do what you would have me to do. Oh, that we would do the same thing. She goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth speaks to her in verse 45 and says, Blessed is she who believed. You know, how, how could she put herself at, at God's service like that? Well, because she believed. She trusted God. She believed the message. She put her full trust in the Lord, and she committed herself to Him. So her response is a believing response. And then it's a rejoicing response. We don't have time to go through the, the whole song that she sings, really, starting in verse 46. This is oftentimes called the Magnificat. It, it's Mary's song of rejoicing after she's talked to by Elizabeth concerning this. But I just, I just want you to notice a couple of things. In verse 46, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. That's powerful. Mary needed a Savior. She was not immaculately conceived without any sin nature. Mary needed a Savior. And here's the amazing thing. Her Savior was going to be the very Son 
that she carried in her womb to whom she gave birth. She goes on to the Magnificat and she recognizes her need of a Savior. She praises God's power and strength and His faithfulness. And it's certainly worthwhile reading. We just don't have time to go into it this afternoon. You're, you're getting hungry. I can see it in your eyes. But, but it's worth reading. The, the most important thing is to recognize she praises God. She rejoices. She puts herself at God's service. I'm your servant. And, and says, whatever you want from, from me, Lord. And then she rejoices in what God is going to do. And, boy, what a, what a great example that she is for us because we're vessels not quite like the Virgin Mary in that sense we're not going to carry the Lord Jesus in our bodies but what we told in Scripture if you're a Christian the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us and he makes our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit wherever we go we take God with us uh, we, we carry God's light to the world we reflect God's light we let God be seen in us. We let people see our light so that they'll praise and, and glorify our Heavenly Father. And, and thirdly, we get the privilege to carry the gospel. You've got the gospel inside of you. You know it in your mind. If you're a Christian, you also know it in your heart. You're a recipient of the gospel. You're a child of God. And what are we supposed to do with that gospel? We're supposed to go tell it on the mountain. We're supposed to go tell it in the valleys. We're supposed to share that good news with others, and we're to model that gospel before others every place we go. Uh, Mary had a vital role to play in God's plan and program. John the Baptist had a vital role to play. So do you and I. we got a vital role to play in God's program of the gospel that involved Jesus Christ coming into this world, born of a virgin, eventually going to the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood there for our sin, rising again the third day to prove that his sacrifice had been accepted and proving that he was also God himself. We got a vital role in getting that gospel message out. And I pray, as we walk out of here this morning, that we go with the same kind of attitude Mary had. How long has it been since you've told the Lord, I'm at your service? God, just, just do in my life what you want. You're God. You're the Lord. I am your servant, and I'm willing to do whatever you'd have me to do. I'm willing to experience whatever you'd have me to experience. I just want you to be glorified through me. I appreciate the Apostle Paul as he's in a, a Roman prison writing the letter to the Philippians. And he says to them that, that he's in the strait between two things. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die, but, but his whole desire and, and determination at that point is she said I want God I want you to be glorified in, in my death as well as through my life may that be our prayer God be glorified in the way that we live the way that we die and we just put ourselves at his disposal as his servant and then as he works through us to be like Mary as far as consciously and gratefully and joyfully rejoicing in the plan that he has for us and the very fact that God allows us to play a part in his great plan of redemption. Father, we thank you, first of all, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you he was willing to step down from heaven's throne 
and, and enter the womb of the Virgin Mary. And, Lord, we confess we don't understand everything about how that happened. We just know that it was a miracle of God and that with God there's nothing that's impossible. We believe it. We accept that. We thank you that Jesus came into the world to be our Savior. And, Father, we pray if there's anybody with us today that has never yet responded and, and repented of their sin and taken Christ as their own Savior, that they would do that this morning. May the Holy Spirit of God convict hearts here today of anyone that needs to take that step. And, Lord, as Christians, those that know Christ as Savior, Lord, I pray that each one of us today might even verbally tell you, here we are, Lord. We're your servants. We're at your disposal. We're willing to be used by you in any way that you so desire. And we'll trust you to do it. And we'll rejoice in the wonderful privilege of being used to glorify God. Father, we pray that you would take us up on that. And you'd work in us. You'd work through us. Glorify yourself. We pray in the Savior's name.